Goodness gracious, what a morning, right? If my, uh, if my grandfather were here, he would say, um, man, y'all do a lot. Great day in the morning. <laughs> what a morning to be together, to be here in this space. As, um, as we come to this, this moment, um, uh, so, so Pastor Matthew said something, and I, I just have to, I have to, this is, this is separate. Look, y'all, it, Pastor Matthew said, you know, it, the Lord talks about this moment where he says that, you know, if you're embarrassed ab- about me, then I'm going to be embarrassed about you. But there's a flip side to that, and it comes right out of Acts. And it's, and it's this moment where, where Jesus um, is, is with Stephen in, at, at Stephen's stoning. And I love this picture, is that when Stephen stands up in the midst of the Sanhedrin and he stands up and he starts speaking about the gospel of Jesus and he's standing there, Stephen gets a picture of Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And if, if, you, if you look in Scripture, that's the only place where, St- where Jesus is standing at the right hand of God. So, so if, if you're embarrassed about Christ and you go out in the world, Christ is going to be embarrassed about you. But if you stand for Jesus, Jesus will stand for you. That, that's, that's all there is to it. And, and we've seen these beautiful ones coming to this place to share with us where Jesus is standing in their hearts. Y'all, we get to do that as a community. And what a blessing to be able to see that, to be experiencing that, and to walk out into this place where Jesus is doing so much for us. Encouragement to you. Continue to stand for Jesus, and He's going to stand for you. Um, As we continue um, our series of Acts, we bring this to a close, right? We bring Acts to a close in Acts 15. There's plenty more um, to talk about in Acts, but um, we've been doing this as a church. We've been uh, talking about this as a whole church, so each of our ministries in some way, one way or another, we've been talking about Acts. We've been connecting over that from the, from the little ones. You guys have been in Acts um, to middle school and high school. They've been in Acts, and we've obviously been in Acts, and we're bringing that to a close as a way to talk about who we are, who we are becoming in this new part of our history as God's leading us into this new, uh, into this new space. And as we end this series, um, Jeff and I have been teaching um, this last week and, uh, and this week about the people in, at the church in a really important part of Acts, in Acts 15, this part of our of disagreement, right? Um, we, 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 we don't ever get to that place um, where we really have an opportunity to talk about the disagreement, and their disagreement was over um, whose teaching were they going to be following, Right? This teaching from people that were coming from the outside um, or the people that were there, Paul and Barnabas. See, Paul and Barnabas had been teaching one thing in the church uh, at Antioch, and there were some men from Judea, right? Just a reminder that, that came, and they were teaching something different, and they decided to meet in Jerusalem so that they might understand how to move this, con- this, this conflict forward. They went to Jerusalem to, to figure it out. And so um, we come to this point in Acts, and I want to just want to read a couple of spaces for you um, about, where, um, about where, where we are in the, in the text. Um, Acts 15, verse 22. 
Then the apostles and the elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men, send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, who were the leaders among the believers. With them, they sent the following letter. I'm going to skip the letter. I'm going to come back to it in a second. They say, so after the letter, so they were sent off and went down to Antioch where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen believers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with a blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they had many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. They remained there. So what do we do with with conflict? This is kind of where we ended last time. What do we do with conflict? Um, How do we we engage conflict? And I have this this thought. I I have to boil this down, right? Because we're all in here. Kids, this is important for you as well. Um, So we have this conflict. Jeff, um, come here. So so Jeff and I have a conflict. And um, and we, I, I thought we would just bring this, this to you in front of the church. We've got a, we, we have a conflict. Jeff really, really, really loves chocolate ice cream. And I'm a vanilla person. Um, and and it's, it's become a problem for us um, in our relationship. Um, because most times, um, you know, sometimes we go out for coffee, but sometimes we're out... Um, for ice cream, um, and uh, usually thrifty ice cream, we only have a dollar between us, and we can only get one scoop. <laughs> and, it's, and it's problematic. Um, and so when we get there, um, Jeff is always like, look, I- I'm getting chocolate. And I'm like, no, 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 say, it's a we, Jeff. Um, we have to choose what we're going to get, and I really think vanilla is the best way to go, and um, this this causes causes problems for us, um, and and so how do we determine which which one to get? Right, we we can only get one. Well, here here's the thing about the conflict, is that if if Jeff and I focus on the issue, which is the ice cream. If we focus on that and say, you know what, we're just going to make sure that we get what we want, that Jeff gets, you know, chocolate sometimes and vanilla gets sometimes, like, like that becomes the issue. And what we do is we forget about the relationship, right? As long as I get what I want, then, then, then I'm fine. I'm okay, right? As long as he gets what he wants sometimes, like, like that's fine. That's okay, if we focus just on our relationship and, and, and we say, you know what, we're, we're not going to get any ice cream because this is just too hard for us. <laughs> we're going to walk away. The issue never gets taken care of, right? But when we do conflict, what we have to remember is what we said last week is that the people walked into that conflict with their relationship at the heart. And they had to deal with the issue. In order to do that, you have to compromise, right? And so with that dollar, we say, hey, can we get a half scoop of chocolate and a half scoop of vanilla? It's a simple example. But we sometimes have forgotten this. Our society has forgotten this because sometimes we just focus on the issue and say, as long as I get my issue taken care of, then everything's going to be fine. I don't care about y'all. 
We've also said, you know what, I care so much about the relationship that the issue, we're not going to talk about the issue either. And that's not good either, right? So here's the thing. What happens in, verse, in, in the letter is this. Um, uh, verse 24. They're able to see, they're able to see the issue. This is what, what they say in verse 24. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. They are able to see the problem and acknowledge it, right? That's the first part of how to deal with conflict. You've got to be able to see. You've got to be able to see and perceive the issue not only from your end but from the other, other people's end. Part two, they're aware of the emotion. They're able to feel what's going on. Verse 25 says this, so we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you, our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, the conflict isn't about risking your life. It's painful, but it's not about risking your life. And so we're talking about saying, we know these people who have actually risked their lives for this conflict, and so we're going to talk about it that way. And then third, um, they communicate through the letter. They communicate well what's going on. And one thing is important about communication, and you need to all hear this. They confirm in writing with people what's going on. So they could have just sent a letter, but they sent people alongside of the letter in order to have the confirmation of what's going on. And I think that's what, that's what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has sent us a letter this word is a letter for us. And not only God has sent us a letter, God has confirmed it in His Holy Spirit about what we are supposed to do. Right? So communication has three parts. One, we communicate to be understood. When we speak, we, we want to be understood. So do that in a way that you want to be understood. Two, communication, you have to listen, right? Communication isn't just about speaking. It is about listening. And the third part is that you have to clarify when you misunderstand something or when you think you understand something. Three parts. Speak to be understood. Listen. And clarify when you misunderstand. So we're going to practice that. In this, in this space... Um, I'm going to invite you to share. Because we're coming to this place of, uh, of this end of Acts, right? This end of our, our, our experience with, with Jesus in this place. I want to know, and I want you all to share, what have you experienced because of Jesus in the last eight weeks? So, groups of three, four, or five, not any more of that, because you won't have enough time. Get up, share, what have you experienced because of Jesus in the last eight weeks? You need to have a couple minutes to do that. Everybody got it? Good. Ready? Go.
other people get to share. everyone <laughs> kind of gather back you know these are uh, these moments these moments in which we get to interact around Jesus they don't they don't need to happen only because of what we do in this space. And hopefully what, what God might be doing among us is to have more natural, real, natural ways to just talk in these kinds of ways together. One of the major themes that we have looked at over these last many weeks together in the book of Acts is very much the same kind of theme of this morning. And it's this idea of connectivity. Right, the, 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 the connectivity in the book of Acts with the people of God to the risen Christ and the connectivity through the Holy Spirit, the access to God, and then the connectivity with one another as the church, that as we've looked back time and time again over the last many weeks, the very title of this series, This Is Us, was a, was a prayer, is a prayer, that we wouldn't just come to the scripture from a historical perspective, that we, that, but that we would long to be the kind of church that we have read about and that we're learning about. And a major part of that church is connectivity. A people who share in their identity as followers of Jesus, bound together by the Holy Spirit, connected in mission together. And I can't help but think about over and over and over again how unique it is to be a part of Lake Avenue Church and the connectivity possibilities and the connectivity realities that live among us. I just think about this week, all of you spread across probably the globe and the different ways in which your families and your cultures will celebrate a meal together, the different unique dishes. This is the furthest place from a church where everybody has the same kind of Thanksgiving meal. I've already heard stories of what your family does or what they don't do or what you eat and what you don't eat. But in this space, we're all together. And so in some sense, our tables will look very different this out, throughout this week. But this morning, we're all together and sharing in our worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our connectivity has looked very beautiful this morning. There's this church word. It's, it's either at church or in Lord of the Rings. This word, fellowship. 
And I actually think there's, uh, Chuck and I were talking this week, that there's a very shallow definition of fellowship that just kind of goes like this. When a bunch of Christians are together, there's fellowship. It's really a statement about sharing space. But I think a deeper definition, a better definition of fellowship is a bunch of Christians being together talking about Jesus as the subject. See, it's not about the space, but it's about the subject. I think about communion. You've heard me say this before. I understand how we've gotten to where we get to in church in this very solemn and sacred, and it is when we partake in the Lord's Supper, but it's also very private and quiet, and I I can't help but read the scriptures when Jesus was with his disciples and and can't get out of my head that, that what it would look like to have a long meal of eating and drinking and remembering Jesus, the kinds of stories that would be shared, the kind of fellowship that would be shared as person after person talks about what God is doing in their life, answering the kinds of questions that you've begun to answer with one another, that that's where connectivity happens with one another. When we come together under Jesus and share our Jesus stories with one another, it's what's made this morning incredible to hear three people's Jesus stories makes you connected to their story, so much so that you would come out of your seats and be loud when they are baptized because they are now you and we and this is us. So Lake Avenue Church, do you sense and see what God is doing among us? Do you see that we haven't just been in the study of a book of Acts to learn about how it used to happen in church, but that God is doing something new among us, a refreshing work to bring us back together, to be a church that across all of this difference, across all of the uniqueness, in a world that loves to divide, in a world that loves to pin us against one another around our difference, that in this place and in this fellowship and in this congregation, that Jesus and being the people of Jesus and being empowered by the Holy Spirit might just bring us together so that we can be his people in a world that needs us to be his people. you remember when Pastor Chuck led us in a prayer sermon, one of the last things we did was to pray that God would do miracles among us. And many of you have shared about that time of prayer. Either you were terrified about it and it took you two weeks to come back to church, or you loved it. You loved the idea of being in a worship space and collectively praying to God. But we prayed very specifically that we wouldn't just read about miracles, but that God would, would give us miracles. And I can tell you this, over the last many weeks, there have been story after story. And some of them, I don't know what they mean. I know that during our prayer week on Thursday, if you were here, apparently there was a, a, a conversation or a leading that, that there would be, that God would send rain as a symbol and a sign that he's not done with Lake Avenue Church. And then I didn't know about that, but Saturday, that Saturday of prayer week, as I'm sitting outside at Panera with my boys and it starts pouring rain, but the skies are clear. And how many people literally felt the rain as a sign from God that he's not done with us? What you saw this morning are miracles. I don't, you heard Kalia's story. That is a miracle, brothers and sisters. You don't, you, to, to Lisa, and this is Anne's daughter who leads us in worship. If you knew Anne's story, you know some of Anne's story. The fact that they are alive, or the fact that they're in Pasadena, points to a God who is doing miracles among us. And even my own story with my mom in the room. There, there's, no, there's no reason, logic, plan 
that comes into our life and our story and places me as a follower of Jesus, leading at a church like this, having a son choosing to be baptized because God is doing a work in this world. And my admonishment and encouragement to all of us is to be here for the work of God. And we may be done with an eight-week series in the book of Acts, but we are not done. And we have a mission to fulfill. Let me remind you of some of the key verses from this series. Chapter 1, verse 8, but you, Jesus speaking, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And remember, we talked about that there's a calling on our lives and as a church to become, not to do, but to become. And I very much sense that we are in the process of becoming. You remember this scripture from chapter 4, 32 through 34, as it talked about the kind of church they had in the beginning, that all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. We talked about what a high call that was, what kind of community it was, where they were centered on the message of Jesus, proclaiming Jesus, but the way Jesus was working in among them, that they could reflect and say, we were in one heart and one mind, a solidarity of the community. I pray that that would be true for us at Lake Avenue. I also pray that here at Lake Avenue Church, there'd not be a needy person among us. And in the tragedy of this week, amongst many tragedies of this week, but when I got the message that our beloved Andeshiel had gone to be with the Lord, I have never seen a church more quickly respond in love and real tangible ways of caring and longing because this is what God does to a community. And I know we're a big room and I know we're a big church and some of you don't know anyone here. But I want you to, to, to dig in and to jump into the trust that we can be this kind of people, that under the name of Jesus, that we can be of one heart and one mind, and we can be in mission together, so there might not be one needy among us. And I'm reminded of the days ahead we have. Last week specifically, and even what we've touched on a little in chapter 15. Now then, why do you test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither nor we nor our ancestors have been able to bear. Remember this key verse that we looked at last week. We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are, that we are a people in common because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And there's no one in this world that is unworthy of that grace. And because of that, may it be our prayer too to not make it difficult for people to come to faith in Jesus. I pray that's the journey God has for us, Lake Avenue Church. And I know it is. Because here's the thing, there's nothing that I have said or that we have said in the last eight weeks that is new information for this church. This is the legacy of Lake Avenue Church. These are the shoes in which many of us stand filling. This is the declarative statement of what God has done in this church for over 120 years. But I also believe this, that this is a season for us not to tout our history, but to humbly ask God to move us forward in this moment. And so as we end this series, we are not ending anything. We're just simply asking God to keep proclaiming, helping, and help us become these witnesses. Chuck, will you? Lord God, thank you. Thank you for creating this 
space. God, that we would become something different. Not that we would just be encouraged to do something or share something, but that you would be changing us as you change us individually, you're changing us corporately into the people that you want us to be. God, keep that in front of us. God, that as we worship, as we study your word, as we pray, as we do the things that draw us closer to you, God, that we're doing that in the midst of community for the sake of little ones, for the sake of older ones, for, for the sake of the fact that we don't want anyone to go in in need. God, we praise you for who you are. God, we praise you for why you're in our lives. God, and we lift up this moment to you. God, as, as, a, as an offering, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.